I have to tell you, Burt Reynolds, a good-looking man. I think he's part Cherokee. This episode of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast, is brought to you by Amasta Design. Servicing clients domestic and international, Amasta is here to help you through the different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to amastadesign.com. Amasta, spelled A-M-A-S-T-A, design.com. Our pal, John Padilla, is a true fanboy and unapologetic Batman enthusiast. John is also owner of JP Total Fitness based in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. As a personal trainer, he takes a practical and safe approach toward fitness goals. Throughout his professional years of experience, John has developed relationships with hundreds of clients, helping them achieve and meet their physical challenges. A family man, seasoned entrepreneur, and competitor, John understands the importance of time management, proper nutrition, and the no-nonsensical approach to guiding you through your journey. Go to www.jptotalfitness.net today. Rolling Press, a Brooklyn Park Slope-based business that can help you print books, magazines, zines, and comics for anyone who wants to start their own thing. Rolling Press, an eco-friendly printing company. Go to www.rollingpress.com. Roro Cakes, specialty baking, little bites of yumminess, and indulgences. Follow Roro Cakes at facebook.com slash Roro Cakes and place your order today. Last but not least, Pancake Studios cuffing your audio recordings, production, mixing, and mastering needs. Pancake Studios set at the heart of Brooklyn, also happens to be the home of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. And when we started the podcast, Jonathan made a home for us here and continues to produce quality. Whether you're a musician, filmmaker, working in media like podcasting, look no further than Pancake Studios. Go to www.pancakestudios.net. To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. And welcome back. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around... You just might have some fun, and we're going to have some fun today, as always, here in Pancake Studios, provided by the beautiful and lovely Jonathan, Jonathan Vergara. That's me. <laughs> and as always, the man, the man, uh, the man who, the who's the snowman to my bandit, oh, Edward Ng. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, Jerry... Jerry Reed, Jerry, brother. Jerry Reed. Right. Jerry Reed, you know, the, uh, the white Isaac Hayes. <laughs> Oh, uh, Fred! Now you don't want to get down there, Fred. Yeah, when are we? When are we, uh, John? When are we? Edward Ng. This is Edward Ng, by the way. Uh, uh, John, when are we going to get a uh, a Basset Hound mascot in here? That's what we need yeah. with a with a with with an F with an uh, a name that starts with the letter F. The so, only the only hound I remember is Snuff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, six zero six five two. I don't know if that's the right number. <laughs> uh, so here we are today, coming coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York City, and City. Uh, so many so many things going on here. The, at the end of the summer, we've got fall is actually just a couple of weeks away, and we've got something that no, dropped. No, we already are in the fall. No, I think technically we got like a week or two ago, but 
I'm, you know, who am I? I, I always heard pride before the fall. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Anyway, what am I? What am I? What am I? Uh, uh, the creator of the Julian calendar over here? What am I? What is this? Uh, Gregorian C- Central or something? Uh, I don't. Uh, dates are not my Gregorian forte. Central. Gregorian Central. That's. To, these oh. things write these things write themselves. Right. And don't forget about my title, Withered Fist. Withered Fist, Withered. which we will be getting to <laughs> later on, because this is an episode where we will be we will be getting to uh, a bunch of things. Uh, first off, will be a review of a trailer that just dropped not uh, two days ago. Uh, then we will someone be... hasn't even seen it yet. Uh, okay, well he'll he'll get around. Right. Get a chance to see it. Then we'll get uh, a. Uh, review of Netflix's Marvel Netflix's Iron Fist and we will end out with a in memoriam special that we'll be looking forward to about the great Burt Reynolds. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take those beads over there. These these bleeds these bleeds right here. Right up your nose. <laughs> it looks it looks like Burt Reynolds changed his name to Turd Ferguson. <sighs> I didn't make that joke. No, Will no, Ferrell no. did. You didn't on that was, SNL. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, celebrity uh, daddy, buddy. We rest will, in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> we will. Uh, we will be getting to all that later on. Uh, but first up is the Captain Marvel trailer. And uh, Ed, do you want to take a moment to familiarize uh, Jonathan yeah, with gonna, the trailer? We're gonna pause and come. We're back. We're gonna take a quick pause here, and through the magic of editing. Jonathan will have seen the trailer and we'll get his initial reaction on all of ours. Thanks to the magic of editing, we're back after Jonathan saw the Captain Marvel trailer for the first time. Now, this dropped a few days ago. We changed reality and time (laughs) with a snap. snap. Uh, And uh, for anyone out there who is living under a rock, doesn't realize Captain Marvel was the character that Nick Fury was trying to contact at the end of Infinity War. And this is the... Basically, the follow-up to Infinity War directly, but also the lead-in towards the next Avengers film that Captain Marvel the next will be appearing phase, in. as Kevin Feige okay. would say, like the so, third phase um, or whatever. Uh, thoughts all around. I'll go to Ed, then John, then myself. Ed, uh, this trailer, what did what, uh, what did you think about it? Okay, so uh, and from an initial watch when it first dropped... Um, I mean, because being a Marvel, not just a Marvel fan, but a Marvel, uh, studio, Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for this next phase. Um, now it's, you know, since it's dropped and it's been some time that's passed, um, I can see how it can be quite confusing for an average or even less than average, uh, casual viewer. Why does uh, Samuel Jackson is he uh, Nick Fury and where's his eye patch? You know, I mean, I don't know if you're 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 saying that to yourself, John, um, because uh, you know, I I'm I'm gonna call you a casual fan, right? Can I can I can I yeah. say that? Right. Yeah. So, um, God damn, and that's okay because that's your you are so believe it or not Friday. a genuine yeah casual general a casual fan for casual Fridays, <laughs> a your general audience member. You know, I yeah, mean, not not. 
I have to say, not well versed in all of the all of right. the. But I wasn't confused because of the blockbuster. So this is twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah, you'd have to be very really dense. Go. Why is blockbuster in two thousand nineteen? No, that's not the point. Obviously, yeah, again, yeah. and, I mean? and it, him with the. I think everyone knows Sam Jackson as Fury. Mm. Seeing him with the two eyes, you obviously go, okay, this must take place in the past. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm keeping my wife in in, in like in mind here because she is a less than casual fan. Right. And it's not to say that she doesn't like these movies, right? But I mean, she, we when we when I do watch these movies, I watch them with her. Right. But, and she's got a gazillion questions every time we And we, we so your 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 contention so, is that you think that it was it's not clear enough? Well, it's gone to a point where uh with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's gotten so big and it's uh, it it's it, it, there's so much history and back a uh, backstory that you know um for someone like my wife i always have to go no this is what happened and this happened and this happened and she's this and that and whatever um but it's for me i'm like yeah i'm all i'm there it gives us what a real teaser trailer and i'm going to call it a teaser trailer does yeah, yeah, right that's what it, was. it doesn't it was. give us too much unlike the aquaman trailer and again they're just trailers or teaser trailers yeah. Aquaman, for all we know, is going to be a kick-ass movie, but right, it was the trailer gave yeah. us everything. Right, every beats, everything. Yeah. Here the, you go. Oh, you're like mystery. it's yeah. a lot of mystery. Lot of mystery. Who is she? It answers questions, but it also opens up the yeah. okay. What is this about? What is that about? Yeah, what is and that especially about? for someone that's a character like Captain Marvel, and people, if you want to be even more confused, go Wikipedia. Yes, Wikipedia. Anything about Captain about Marvel, Captain Marvel. From, from the Marvel universe? Okay, and, and there's and not only do you see um, Cap, uh, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, but you see multiple multiple Marvel played by Jude Law. You have a theory. Maybe she's her father, and so, and, and, or is it like they want they mind wipe? Well, let's her? let uh, the, 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 just going down. You've got Marvel. Mm-hmm. You've got Monica Rambeau. Yeah. You've got Genisvel, which is a Marvel's mm-hmm. son, and you've got Carol Danvers, who was a Miss Marvel and is now then became. Binary, Binary, then became Warbird, and is now the new Captain Marvel, and has been Captain Marvel since about quick, 2012. Quick question about that. Uh, and I know that um, we're still on my reaction to this, um, but I have a question. Hmm. Was there a tie between Binary and Phoenix at all? Ever? Uh, no, I don't think so off the top of my head, but Chris Claremont did end up using Carol Danvers, because yeah. he had he had written mm-hmm. her Miss Marvel days, and he always liked to include her in X-Men stories. And so she got tied up, obviously, with the whole thing where uh, Rogue stole her powers and memories. And then she was involved right, in right, 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 she was right, involved right, in a right. lot of space stuff, which mm-hmm. is and the brood. That's where she right. got her binary powers. But no, I don't believe that she was ever directly. Because, um, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Feige is going to take over the X franchise. OK, all right. That's, that's official nothing, news. That's, but that's not we, what we, we're talking we, about. Now. And we already knew. But again, also g- g- continuing with the. Um, with, um, the yeah, the, I mean, I am. I'm psyched. I'm psyched for it. And. And uh, I'm I'm ready to see where how this is going to translate going into uh, uh, Avengers: Infinity War sequel of Avengers Four. Um, and this trailer, by the way, and I told you when when it first dropped, it had a very Wonder Woman esque feel to it um, because it was very it's a it's a very we're moving into um, a really Me Too age of superhero movies. Well, there's a, there's a catch uh, phrase: uh, the future is female. 
Yeah. And uh, and here's another movie where it's like a strong. Okay. Woman so movie. so so John, your 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 take after seeing the the you know you just literally just saw it, um, and as as Ed says, you're you're a fan of the you like the Marvel movies, but you're not like. I'm not. Yeah. You're not versed yeah. in all the lore and everything. Yeah. Uh, what did you What did you think of this? This is Marvel's first female-led superhero movie, and this is their first. This is their teaser trailer saying, "Here it is." What did you What did you think overall? Overall, I thought it was a good uh, trailer. What Ed said, um, it showed you some things, but it didn't reveal all the answers. It left some intrigue and, and enigma. So I'm I'm interested in watching it. Um, is she a mutant, or this will probably be answered in the movie? But uh, no, she no, she's no. not a mutant. She's not a mutant. Um, <laughs> there is some DNA like splicing, a, but like that's experimental stuff going on. on her. Like I said, if you want to be even more confused, go Wikipedia. That go crap. Wikipedia that stuff, and uh, actually, I have some stuff to talk about the Marvel okay. uh, stuff at the end. But uh, and anything, anything um, overall uh, stick out to you? Um, the only thing that was missing from the trailer, and of course anyone could say, like, oh, you know, it didn't have this, it didn't have that. I didn't really see any, uh, like, powers displayed, mm-hmm. and I didn't. we didn't see any action. So I just hope it's right. not going to be, like, uh, Bridget Jones's diary or something. <laughs> I, doubt, I doubt that. <laughs> All right. Um... But Jude Law was in it. Oh, and I said while we were watching the, the trailer, I said, well, we know he's going to be cheated on. Well, I don't like... right in every single movie he's in, he's like cheated on, right? like <laughs> and, and and he's beautiful. Who would do that? He's a beautiful person. Know. He's beautiful. Um, okay, so my take on it was that um, I was really surprised by this trailer um, all around because I think that I don't think I've heard people say, "Oh, it looks kind of like Thor." It kind of looks like Ragnarok. It kind of looks like Guardians and. I honestly don't think it looks, and I mean just from the way it's the what we've seen and the how it was filmed. Graphics, as far as everything. I mean, like the feel of the. I mean everything. I mean how how it looked that it was filmed. It didn't look like any other Marvel movie. It's like any other Marvel movie. If anything, the closest was in terms of its look. It looked, and I'm being really specific with look. I'm not just talking about like, oh, the vibe of it. I mean like the look. More into what do you mean? It looked like. Infinity War. Remember how how wonderfully slick everything in Infinity War looked, as even even compared to like Avengers and Avengers Two. I mean, Infinity War just lo- was a beautiful looking film. How it was filmed, the colors and everything else that came out, and the effects, and how they were integrated into it. That's it. This really looked l- much closer to that, and um, it also the tone wise, like you pointed out, was. Um, I mean, even the Wonder Woman trailer, trailers that came out, always managed to throw in a couple of jokes. Mm. This was this had none whatsoever. This was just here's a dramatic usually, story. Serious tone. Usually after the any hashtag to movie now or for or they'll have a stinger that's like some stinger. sort of something funny. Yeah, and here they did not have anything at all like that, which I which I appreciated greatly. Except except there's one quick scene. She's on a bus and, looks and she, like she knocks out an old, old lady. lady. I will get. Well, I'll get into that. I'll it's get into that. Probably a disguise for an alien. Or uh, absolutely, but... actually, because uh, we know that the uh, the one of the the two. Main aliens in this film, uh, John, are the Kree, the Kree and listen, the Skrulls. Listen, kids, if you're watching this movie, please do not go out and punch and old just ladies. punch random old women. <laughs> <laughs> About the look that you're that you're referring to, um, and again, this is all maybe it's in what pre-production, post-production, post-production, yeah, post-production right? Yeah. 
Um, the just about the display of powers, her somersaulting onto a train, right. a super train, and then and then blasting. Right. And that's and and it's just something un, a little bit unrefined about that at this point. But again, it's post production. I, I thought. See, here's the thing. I I thought everything looked good. I thought the space stuff. You see, yeah. you know, alien world. You see sh- ships blasting mm. in and out. You saw her the beginning of her like. Some like basically like getting knocked out of like a pod or something and landing in the blockbuster. You kind of see um, like a group of marvels, right? Like, yeah, you see. Well, they're, that's what we're calling. The they're calling Star their Star Force. Force. Star Force. That she works with some group from the Kree, mm-hmm. which is an, of this vast space empire, and she's on it. And that's another interesting thing. The the as a trailer, I think it re- worked really well because it revealed things of the plot specifics to a small degree. It sounds like their answer to uh, the green ring. The green well, lantern. That's, yeah, it has. It's a, it's a cosmic story. Feel, it's a cosmic story. And I'm not and, the only one who said that. And, right? it's, always, and it's always Captain Marvel and this stuff and Danvers origin has had a very, a lot of not necessarily totally one for one, but there are some similarities yep. given her powers from another alien and, you know, being part you of... You see what he just said? I, I said to you, like, um... Now, in relation to the Nova Corps, you know what is Corps, all this? We're like, not going to yeah, get it again. You know. <laughs> um, so it it reveals stuff, but in its revelations, it drew you in because then yeah. suddenly there were more of these questions. Because suddenly it's like, I I think it was a huge swerve with the memories. I was like going like, oh well, that's interesting. It's not going to be very straightforward. She has like amnesia. Uh, she she's working for the Kree, but she doesn't remember that she lived on Earth. Is she um, an agent of Shield? Is she? How is she? How, what's going on with the? Uh, you know, I even think there's a there are possibilities, and I'll, we'll talk speculation um, uh, later. Um, but uh, who's you the know, Kree, what's the Force about? You know, exactly who's going on? Uh, who's by going the way, there? I mentioned Shield because now you you also get Coulson, a younger Coulson. We see young Coulson. You see the you, you see the as speculated already on the internet that uh, the bunker from Winter Soldier. Right. Um, so I don't. Know. Uh, we see. We see young. We, there's a. There's a shot there. I don't know if you noticed of uh, a scroll tied down in a lab, mm-hmm. and you've got Fury, Fury with like, some sort of super gun. He's a and he's got men some, in black, and he's holding his. He's ice part pack. of his <laughs> ice pack over his eye. I don't. I think that there have been other shots of Fury with like some um, bandages over one part of his mm-hmm. eye. I don't. I'm not sure if he loses his eye. I think that they're going to fake us out on that one. <laughs> I really do. Um, I mean, I would like it if this were if that yeah. were the case. Yeah. But I think that they're going to they're going to be like, oh, he's lo- oh, they're supposed to lose his eye, and it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I've got this scar on my. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, I got the Mike Tyson tattoo. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, and uh, you know, you it it begs all these sort of questions about the, her timeline. Uh, and obviously, how is it going to end up with, you know, we see the pager, mm-hmm. we see her uh, doing uh, missions with Star Force. Now, speculations, okay? Can I, can I ask you this? Um, yeah. Since you guys are the, the gurus on the on the comic, uh, is this a recent thing, this, like, strong female lead for the Marvel part? Or is this... Well, she's been around... Or has this been in the lore for a while? In terms of this character or generally Marvel? Generally for this character um captain marvel it's a marvel yeah it has been around since the late 70s a chris Cla- chris claremont 
no, no, no. That was before, before, before that. Before. Uh, Captain Captain Marvel. Jude Law. Jude Law. Jude Law's character is called is Marvel. The mm. He's the original Marvel, and his whole deal was, and this is an interesting part of the trailer: is Fury has some lines. He says, "I know a renegade soldier when I see one." Mm. That was Marvel's story. He was sent here to observe us as part of Kree operations, and he turns against his own people to protect Earth from his own empire. And that's the whole point of of the the Kree. Uh, Skrull Wars. There's, it's a, it's a, not a civil war. It's an intergalactic war. Earth is stuck right in the middle of it. And uh, do you remember Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, you haven't seen it. That's I right. Seen it. You haven't okay. seen it. Well, anyway, okay. there's a character called Ronan the Accuser who appears in that, and I will also be appearing it. in here. Anyway, so Marvel, that was his whole story, and I have a feeling that maybe what they're doing is, if that those lines aren't. Fury talking to Marvel, and he is talking to her. We don't know mm. for a fact that you know it could go either way. But if it's talking to her, then he's, she's kind of they're kind of cherry picking and rejiggering things. Um, the fact that they're doing this amnesia story already tells me that they're rejiggering things. Mm, yeah, yeah. So they very well could be taking part of Marvel's story and giving it to her. Um, uh, but speculation. But speculation. Nick okay. Fury. I think this is recruitment. This is Shield recruitment and Nick Fury, who was. Of, uh, some kind of LA cop, LAPD. I don't think it was LAPD, but I think it, I I do agree. I think it might be possible that this isn't necessarily Nick Fury mm. was already a Shield agent. Yeah. I think this might be this is his if not that he's he's freshman possibly freshman to Shield. Yeah. Um, uh, Coulson, uh, you know, he'd have to be, or maybe they got recruited around the same time. It's like um, it's it, like I hearken back to when. When Will Smith was, uh, I don't know, I forget if he was Agent M, or I forget what his name was. J&K. Um, yeah, J&K. So when he was recruited into MIB, you know, right. I, I feel that this is sort of something a lot, uh, similar along the lines where... Well, that's from the comics as well. Mm -hmm. The S.H.I.E.L.D. existed before Nick Fury came along. That's he just took yeah, over right. it. Um, I also think that there's a good, I think that there's an interesting possibility that there's something about the amnesia thing and some of those shots you see this montage of her falling and everything mm -hmm. and, and getting up and getting up yeah, yeah exactly and there's this one shot where she's in her united states air force flight suit and you see her hands the power manifesting itself right and now i'm starting to think what if this isn't a case of she's half cree or whatever and the Kree come together, they take her away, and they mind-wipe her. What if it's a case of she yeah, manifests her powers, and the U.S. government trades her to the Kree? What if Nick Fury's part in this story is to help her unwind things from that end? That, in other words, the U.S. government gave her up to them in trade of some for something, perhaps, or something having to do with the plot. And Fury... He wasn't part of it, but he helps her unwind that aspect of her of her background. While it's a good good speculation, uh, I don't think so because Earth. What is the Earth to 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 the Kree Empire or to any intergalactic empire? They can just blast Earth out. out of, yeah, but at the same time, that's space. like saying, why don't they just why? So then, why don't they just come and annex us completely? Why are they sneaking around? Why the right. Star Force stuff? You know what I mean? There, I think it, you could you could make oh, some, something of worth. You could yeah. you could make something where it would be like, look, we'll give you this shield, U.S. government, whatever. Mm -hmm. In exchange for giving us back this woman who has shared Cree genetics for whatever reason, 
And, you know, well, how are we going to keep that? And that would explain the mind wiping to a, to a large degree well, that, in other words, she didn't go willingly. Here, here's a, you know, that, here's another you know, question. that that makes sense. It would be like the U.S. Um, government gave her up and it was just like, well, how are we going to keep? Well, if, we'll, we'll take care of that. We'll, we'll wipe her mind and it'll be. It'll I mean, be the question of if there's anything worth on Earth for for the Skrull or the Kree to fight over. Does that well, rope the, in all the other stuff like you like know, the Inhumans and all the rest of stuff, or that, that, or the or that the, the Tesseract, Kree, or any of these yeah, articles that I'm have saying, been lingering you know? around? Right? And let's remember, it, it, it's, it's also in comics that the Kree mm-hmm. have always been messing around with human mm-hmm. genetics. Mm-hmm. So you know they've been doing underground stuff, you know, under the radar for a long time in the comics. It's that's a common thing. Um, but this is obviously a moving towards that new phase where now it's going to be about. Scroll invasion, um, intergalactic. Well, again, that's um, the other the right. other speculation I've always had, which is always that this is a backdoor pilot for a secret invasion story. Mm. That this is not going to be the only time we see the we see the the scrolls. They are going to be set up as to be a larger threat uh, later on. Which, uh, by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, secret invasion is exactly what it sounds like. The scroll have inv- infiltrated. Um, uh, um, the ranks of superheroes and government life on and Earth, everything. everything down the line. They're and then at some point, aliens that can look perfectly like other people. Thus, that punching of the woman on 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 the train. As much as I love Secret Invasion, uh, the denouement, or at least the point where the big reveal, and then the heroes come back from space, and it's just like. Hey, we're back already. People got uh, like I think I don't know if Captain America had a beard on. You know, no, like, it was a, no. They all looked like they were from the 1970s. Oh yes, that's right. that was that's the right, thing. And right, they were suddenly yeah. like, oh my god, I have all these other heroes that have been running around now for years, mm-hmm. actually are fakers, been fakers, and a bunch of them turned out to be, and some of them didn't. Blah blah blah. Uh, I also think what's also interesting is you guys mentioned that there was a kind of a lack of a lot of big action shots, which I think is obviously because it's a teaser mm-hmm. and maybe not all the effects are done. That said, that shot of her on the train and her generally the fact that she's walking around and a lot of other things, I I have a feeling that this film, given that Carol is such a powerful character and her in her prime, in her in her most her fully re- realized potential, that you you can't start her off in this movie as a planet busting, you know, Plasma blasting, and she it, has to earn that status. I don't know if he, not so much as earn, but it is. I think that her power level has to increase slowly through the film. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I think controlling those either controlling those powers or learning them, mm. something along those lines. That's what it's going to be because, like, if uh, John, you don't know this, but she is a she is like a Superman level type character. Mm. She can absorb massive amounts of energy. She shoots, you know energy blasts she's invulnerable she's incredibly strong she's when she's she's no joke and yet what do you see she's like flipping around on a train well, like if you could fly there's no reason to be on top of a train uh, you know well, you with get your that legs from, from, you know the what I'm ending, from the uh the the post-credit scene in avengers infinity war she's the key somehow to, well that well to defeating Thanos. well well, so it's well to some at level. least at least i think the idea is that fury he doesn't have to know that she's the key, but he, Fury's definitely like, this situation is so large, I'm calling in the biggest gun I know. Mm. Um, but that's my point, is that I think that that's going to build. And I don't know, also speculation is, I don't know, is maybe the suit changeover so you're, you're, is you're, part of that. You're like, calling a greatest American hero effect of like, you know, oh. she has to learn. <laughs> yeah, man, she has to learn how to, how to fly, how to do all the things that she can do. And uh, maybe the suit changeover is part of that. 
you know, there's a question of like, well, why the changeover from the green suit to the, the to the red and gold suit? And I don't know. Maybe the suit is there's something about a design, uh, some aspect to help her control her powers. Look, mm-hmm. anyone who says, well, that's not the comics, I'll say she's American. N- none, of, none, none of this is from the comics, her amnesia and all the rest of the stuff. And by the way, Ed, let me just throw one more thing. And we were talking about maybe Jude Law is you know, Marvel in the comics is not her father. And some people have put out, well, maybe, you know, that's how she gets her, you know, the, yeah, we, we, a, the EW interview. <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now. They are apparently doing some sort of retcon in the comics, Ed, right? Because they've just put out a new book. It's called The Life of Captain Marvel. Um, they very famously did a Jim Starlin story from the, the 80s, Marvel. which is called The Death of Captain <laughs> Marvel, which is about Marvel dying of cancer, right? Yeah. So they're putting out is this new miniseries called The Life of Captain Marvel, which is about Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel. And guess what, Ed? Apparently the reveal is, and by the way, her mother in this film is being played by Annette Benning, so that's a name actor. In the comics, apparently now they're saying Mama Danvers was a Cree. Oh, in the okay. So if there is corporate synergy right, yeah, yeah. running amok. Mm-hmm. Then maybe Annette Benning in this film is going to be a, a Cree refugee or something along those lines, and that's why she—I don't know. I—I I still am very—I know so, it's all yeah. comic book nonsense, but I'm always like, how how does her having half Cree biology, and okay, okay, the Crees are slightly stronger than people. But they don't have energy powers or any of these other things going on. How does that translate into I can absorb stars and bust through moons and everything wait, just because I'm so, happy? I don't get that. So, okay. Um, so in the life of Captain Marvel, this new book, the mother is full Cree. The mother is going to be a Cree, one of the okay, white so screen Cree, Cree, I believe. So um, here it's conceivable that, you know, Jude Law is going to, he's obviously Cree, as you would say, white Cree. One of the white screen Cree, yeah. They're a minority. Um, they are. They, John, they, you're laughing, but they're, they're, they're a minority. The, the, the Cree are blue skinned, but they have a white skinned uh, uh, race within the Cree that are a persecuted minority. Well, either way, she had. And seems- it just so happened because. Marvel has the white skin. They were like, "Oh, you can infiltrate Earth easy. That's how you can be useful the, to the, the empire." The stakes would have to be yeah. way more higher for her if she were part human, at least. You know, I mean, she'd have a stake in Earth and say, "Right, yeah, this is my, this is Earth." You know, so that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe this my, planet may- is protected by the Doctor. <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying. Is like maybe that that then maybe cancels out the whole speculation about Marvel. Being her dad, because now it's like, well, okay, maybe the mother is Cree, and they get wind of it, and they're like, maybe that's a no-no. You can't be, can't be crossbreeding with the locals, and we're gonna have to take this, you know, we're gonna have to take this girl, you know, uh, off your hands here for whatever reason. Uh, again, it's a, as a trailer, I think it worked for me because I like the dramatic tone, I like the reveals, but above all. I really, really, really liked the uh, the fact that there was all this stuff that drew you in, you know, that that asked you, that made you ask all of these questions. So um, you're hype, your fellow hypers. Or, Here's or what's, what's funny. going on out there. Here's what's I'll funny. I'll tell you what I've what I've been. Here's what's funny. Getting some feedback on. Um, while there are there are always going to be that contingent of people who will like anything Marvel puts out, no matter what, even if they say they don't like it, they like it. Okay. 
And there's going to be people that hate it no matter what. Right. Okay, there's that too, but I, I'm finding it very odd. I'm really super positive about this trailer. I liked it. It seems that it's kind of gotten a, a, a bit of a, many, a lot of lukewarm responses. I don't know if people had it hyped up in their mind that they wanted it to be that much bigger or better. Maybe they were expecting more out of a trailer. It's two minutes. I mean, what, what are you going to do? But yeah, it's been a little mixed and I'm very surprised because I thought, I thought it's just, I think it's a strong trailer. Yeah. I mean, I, um, well, regardless of what you and I think, you know, there, I, it it does seem like it's, uh, it's very split out there. Yeah, there's like I have uh, friends a lot of out there saying social media. It's like yeah, it didn't really excite me. And then there are those who are like, the, oh, I can't the, wait. The firework, the fireworks that they wanted, and oddly, a lot of people are like, well, I thought that she was very bland. There are a lot of people that are they're saying, well, Larson was very bland in it, and I'm I can't say that she was over the top mm. like it's crazy not Wonder, charismatic. It's not like Wonder Woman, right? You know, but Wonder at the Woman. same time, I think it fit what the story they were telling in that trailer. This is a character who doesn't know her own past. I mean, what do you, you can't, she can't be this super, like, assertive, cool, funny, whatever, if it's like, you, you know, you've got this other thing hanging over it. And this also was just the initial trailer. I am sure other trailers, they will hit us with some funny, with some humor, especially considering that that's now, that was a complaint about, well, she wasn't really all that funny or interesting. Trust me, the next trailer will be joke, 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 joke. No, we, we've spoken be... about this also, that um, it seemed as if Marvel, or at least someone like Feige, had been banking on how Wonder Woman would do in order to, 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 to before they greenlight something like this. I don't and know that they, they, they were planning on doing it anyway. They want to do it anyway. But, but I do least... believe, without a doubt, they looked at Wonder Woman and its success. Mm. And regardless of how, if Wonder Woman had done well or if Wonder Woman had done poorly, the reception of Wonder Woman and how that was done was going to affect this film. I don't care what anyone says. That the fact that this trailer is very serious, it's almost like a DC's trailer in a way. Yeah. Um, even, even again, as I said, even the Wonder Woman trailer had a couple of jokes in it. This was very somber, very dramatic. Um it feels to me like they were like, oh yeah, because the the Wonder Woman film has humor in it, but it's very, it it's dramatic. And I think that they said, okay, that went over well with the audience. I think this is the tack that we're going to go I think the with. parallel... It's a Marvel film, of course, there'll be jokes in it, but I have a feeling this will be closer to Captain America and Black Panther... Mm -hmm. Than say Guardians of the Galaxy or maybe the Iron Man. Well, movies. this is a parallel assumption of mine: is that uh, whereas in Wonder Woman you had the death of um, uh, Robin Wright, uh, Robin Wright, and uh, who was the general and who who was sort of like a um, foster, like a foster mother yeah. figure. To her. Um, here, actually, I mean, tell you the <clears> truth, <throat> that Antiope Robin Wright was the father figure in that movie. Yeah, I know. Right? Honestly, um, honestly, now it, my assumption is that we're going to see because. Captain Marvel. Yeah, anyone does, who's the no, we're not revealing yeah. anything here. Marvel, if he dies for, of cancer, like you say, so he dies to, from for the him comics. to die in this movie right. is not that inconceivable, you know, right? Not, and that'll and give the, her her motivations yeah. or something, or or something specific to the plot and the character. But I mean, I'm very much interested to to see how this is going to um, do in the box office because, again, I feel that this is uh, um, uh, one out of one out of first. Me Too age superhero movies, you know, and I and I hate to use that term, but yeah, um, it doesn't seem well. It doesn't seem that more more appropriate than that because 
Um, it's it's a it's a girl. It's the first well, well female Ed, led female led Marvel movie in the in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it's not like you know where you have Scarlett Johansson while she's top billing along with Chris Evans, but she's not at the same time. Yeah, she's, you it's know, not the cent- She's not the here, central this character. Is, yeah. This is the central character. Her story, her origin. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's be honest, Ed. Let's be honest here. Carol Danvers from the comics could easily be a Me Too kind of character because we don't want to get into the absolute craziness that was done to her throughout, you know, the Marvel Comics uh, history. It's honestly some of the craziest stuff you've ever heard, John. Uh, yes, there is a sexual assault. Yes, there is an impregnation. Uh, yes, uh, the guy who she births is somehow also the guy that had sex with her to impregnate her. It's it's weird. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy stuff. They're probably not going to get into that into this movie. But yeah, it, this is an important thing because Marvel Studios is uh, on the top of the heap right now. And um, I believe that with the changeover of casts, I think regardless of how Avengers 4 ends, um, I'm not one of these people that think a bunch of characters are going to die in Avengers 4. I don't think Iron Man's dying. I don't think Captain America's dying. I don't think Thor's dying. But I do believe those characters are being retired. I believe that RDJ is leaving the role. I believe Chris Evans is very likely leaving the role. Um, well, Cap, I think Hemsworth uh, is pretty much uh, on the razor's edge because I think I'm just gonna, you know, just settle down with pe- with Pepper and have some <laughs> kids, maybe. Two kids. Pro- and they'll and they'll put them on the shelf and they'll keep them. And Captain Marvel is going to be positioned as a new leader within the Avengers, along with Black Panther. And then you'll get the next phase of other characters. My money is on new Avengers and 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 moving on to the future Avengers versus X Men. Yeah, that'll happen. But like, they have. I think think that the big. I believe that the big next big arc is, as I said, the next big arc is going to be Skrulls. Before we get to the mutants at all. Um, it'll be scrolls, probably mixed with the Fantastic Four, and I think that they're still, like I said, they're setting her up as the specialist on the scrolls. So they'll be introduced here, and then they'll become a much bigger, much larger threat later on, breadcrumb throughout until we finally get to essentially an Avengers Secret Invasion type movie, and then after that, Star Jammers twenty. 20- 2027. 2027. <laughs> uh, so I think that overall we were all pretty positive on this mm-hmm. on this trailer. I think that it did the job. I'm surprised at sort of the, the, the lukewarm reception from some corners out there. But uh, at this point, I, I, I don't expect to ever be in step with the fanboy mindset out there just because everything is always... It's got to be the greatest... Or it's got to be the worst, and they don't know how to handle anything that's in between. Because the truth is, this was a very good trailer. It's a solid one. Was it the greatest thing in the world? No, but it was very, very good. But I think the fanboys can't ever handle anything that isn't either something that they can rip to shreds or overpraise to to the high heavens. So I think that was. I think that's all we really have to say for the the Captain Marvel trailer. Uh, I can't wait for 2019 when it comes out. Uh, now we're gonna get into. A review for Marvel Netflix's Iron Fist Season 2. A.K.A. Withered Fist. <laughs> With. Yeah, so... It's better than the first one. We can already, off the bat, can tell you that. That is that much. damning with faint praise, you bastard. <laughs> now let me tell you something that's funny, okay? Colleen is fighting some people in a kitchen, right? 
<laughs> we're not oh, being... a woman in the kitchen, huh? Ha, ha, ha. You know, Marvel, man, you got to step it up, man. It's 2018. Anyway, she's fighting in the kitchen. Yeah, I think you got to step up your material. Uh, that was horrible. <laughs> so she she grabs this big ladle long sh- spoon, right? Ladle, whatever. But it's you know it's a flimsy thin piece of metal. She knocks so the guy. He, yes. That's Stone cold like, out. I, that doesn't happen. You don't like sweep someone's leg with it, and they do like a triple flip and smash their head on the stove. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, how come that thing didn't? Bend? Let's. Uh, Th- this, <laughs> my friend, is why I don't like the action. Still. Let's uh, let's get into it here, since John. I'm tired of this. <laughs> <laughs> um. You don't do a triple somersault and smash your head on the right. stove because Iron of a f- Iron metal Fist spoon. season two picks up from Iron Fist season one and the Defenders, and we are all in agreement that Iron Fist season one was incredibly lackluster, unfocused. They the, the worst of the, uh, the worst out of the of the, the Marvel, of shows, the Marvel shows. They had absolutely no. Idea what they were doing. They spun their wheels and wasted a lot of time with this long and very boring corporate governance reestablishing identity plot. Then there was this whole weird machinations, the hand, yada yada. Danny was written poorly. Yeah, all of that. Here's here's a recap of season one. I am the Iron Fist. The immortal Iron Okay, so. Here he goes through the evolution of, of certain things. He appears in Defenders. He appears in Luke Cage Season 2. And we're all hoping that this would have been a better outing for the character. And yes, it is slightly better than the first season. If only because I think Danny's a little less whiny. Um, He's more short of himself. Than yeah, what he, they, right. But there are just still so many head-scratching, dumb moves in terms of how this thing is written. I mean, it starts off with they 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 tortured us with that corporate governance story of I want to take over Rand Corporation and we start season 1 with he doesn't care. He's working as a as a furniture mover <laughs> in Chinatown. So all of that crap, all of those episodes we had to go through don't matter. That already is pissing me off. So the, it already he started. Immediately signs away like like rights to his company to what's her name? To Joy. No, 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 that's no, no, not, no, no. He, it's no, Joy. He lets her go. That, he lets that's her that's go a severance. because she he wanted out. She wanted out. But still, all right. Uh, can, more, can, can I? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, you know, okay, you, you, I'm go. just saying that, and I told you because I was slightly ahead of you when, while we were watching this. We were watching this in parallel, right? And I'm like, they have a five character arc here. That they're sort of trying to uh, trying to it's satisfy. It's overstuffed. Danny, Colleen, um, uh, Ward, Ward, Joy, Joy Davos, Mary, Walker. Davos. Six. That's six. Six, right? You know, and and of course, at some point, it becomes the Misty Knight Detective TV show. Well, she, well, well, she does a, her guest shot in there, so it's we've got a lot of plates in the air, right? And so. They, again, they start off with, it's like, oh, all that stuff didn't matter from the first season. Mm -hmm. All right. Then they just make odd choices throughout. Um, Again, uh, they include a character from the comic books 
That's not even from Iron Fist comic books. There's a character from Daredevil's comic books, Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary. Who is this she's multiple a, personality She's supposed thing. to be mutant. Right. right. And here they just make her an MPD. Yeah. But we were like, I'll, wait yeah, a minute. I'll get to that. I'll get to <laughs> that. Let's do that right now. No, 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 no. I'll get, get to, get to right that. Now. I'll get to that. And so they're doing this very seriously and really spending a lot of time on this character yeah. with her MPD. The problem is, is that I don't want to, ca- I don't, that's not what I came to the show for. We've got Ward. Multiple going, personality disorder. Ward, Ward's going through his, you is, know, um, uh, Narco Anonymous. You know, he's coming off. And that material is actually done well. The actor does mm-hmm. the part well. But is it uh, necessary? Ward, is, Ward is always, is it necessary? Is it what I wanted from no. the show? No, it is not what I wanted <laughs> from this show. We've got a Chinatown gang plot that runs through the entirety of the season. What does our pal Pete say about that? <laughs> All right. And for some reason, the gangs in Chinatown are the they're open versus the tigers. They're they're apparently an equal opportunity employer <laughs> because these gangs are filled with well, a bunch of wild and, and I've said this. I'm like, well, you know, and you're watching this, and it's like, oh, there's another there's another scene from Pell Street. Oh, there's Pell Street again. Hey, I just got dumplings there the other day, and guess what? I did get dumplings there last week, <laughs> and I was there, and I was the only. We were the only table, and it's and it's that a very and it's not, not a, and it's and it's not that such a story doesn't have its place in Iron Fist. It's that it just wasn't it didn't grab you. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got Colleen has a subplot that doesn't pay off until the end about her family and this box with this, you know, stuff in it. I'm going like, okay, where is this going? And that's a swerve at the end because you're like, when it finally is the reveal, you're like, what? Huh? Uh-huh. Again and again and again. And on top of that, while Danny is written slightly better, he's more proactive. They don't understand that like he should be the hero should have some level of competency and the only thing he's good at is fighting and then they take that away because apparently when you are the immortal iron fist with the chi (laughs) of a dragon running through your fist who we've seen knock the crap out of everybody who's come his way if you're an MPD chick with a with like Did a, you get up there, by the like way? Typhoid uh, Mary with a, with house. a syringe, and you take him by surprise on the subway, you could just kill him. <laughs> that could have been the end of Iron Fist right there. Knock him out and bash his head in with a fucking baseball bat. No. Apparently that... Then we've got Davos. Davos's story of how he's going well, over he's the... He's turned end. into a whiny jerk, too. It well, he's okay. So I can buy that he's an eco terrorist, right? I can buy that he's out there to cleanse not, the earth of something. He's not an eco terrorist, but, but it's he, it's a morality thing. He is so, and which is again, this goes to the biggest thing. But I can understand that, like that yeah. character. It's but somewhat, still, it's somewhat at the same time. It it, it kind of was just like it's, it's driven it's, by it's the a, disappointment of his mother. It's or, it's it's a jealousy theme. Yeah, That's what it a, is. But at the same time, you know what? My other problem was that I'd seen that story done before, and I seen it done better when it was Daredevil season two, mm-hmm. and it was the conflict between Matt Murdock and Frank Castle. Mm-hmm. 
you 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 go to the 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 lengths you you'll kill anyone to get your goal and blah blah blah. It was more interesting and a richer interplay. But let's 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 get into when it, those like, two characters, by the way, who didn't have a personal history, here the characters have a personal history, and it was less interesting. But let's get into it. So I this now this series gives you everything you wanted in the last five minutes. Everything you wanted in Iron Fist is in, the, in last the last five, in the last the ten last minutes episode. of the show, right? Uh, it forced me to want to reread um, the Immortal Iron Fist, which I did. Um, you know, because it ends with what a mention of Orson Randall. Well, the no, Iron let's, Fist let's, before let's 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 back, let's mention. back up just a little more. The ultimate arc of this, which is introduced fairly late, is finally that Danny loses the Iron Fist to Davos. Mm. Okay, at one point. How come uh, Davos can double fist and? Uh... You just wanted to say double fist. No, no. I mean, that actually, actually, John, you know what? <laughs> actually, no, John, you know that. what? They never mention. Right. They never say. They never get what to the that. difference is. Why he gonna? Why that should even be a thing? Because personally, it just feels like, well, why? Why wouldn't he? Did they ever set up that the, it couldn't just be the one Iron Fist? Which, by the way, is, yet, is a limitation they they passed in the comics. But yeah, we know ago. we know we know what Colleen is sort of right, but they don't really get into that, and yet she's able to charge. She's able to do well, what she does. Months, well, again, let's like it's back up here. Like I said, I we basically episodes, basically yeah. what happens is. Yeah. Is that Danny loses the fist? He decides I gotta stop Davos, who now has the fist. But I don't want it back. And Colleen, you should be the new Iron Fist. You should take the power from me because they say the essential problem with the series, which is funny. Basically, Danny says, I don't know who I am or what I'm about. Well, Danny. Neither do your showrunners. <laughs> Neither do the writers on this show. They don't know who you are or what you're about. And that would be fine, I guess, but it's we're two seasons in. We're two seasons in. I don't I don't get it. So essentially he it all it all wraps up with they they take the fist from Davos. Colleen has it. And Danny says, "I'm leaving the city because he 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 tracks down something in his you know in in one of the." By the, the way, I'm threads. showing him the last five minutes, literally. Right, <laughs> and we learn, by the way, that Colleen has some connection to the Iron Fist and Kunlun too. So maybe that's why she's able to wield the fist. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is is they basically go. Danny's like, I, "I'm going to go on a walkabout. I need to find out." Uh, you know the how Davos got this thing that was able to transfer the fist, and so in they then flash forward months. I think they said like four months later or something. Four months later, and Danny and Ward have been traveling through the Far East, and in this during this period of time, Colleen has mastered some level of the fist herself because she is now empowering her sword with her chi power, which is the thing from the comics, that the fists can manipulate the chi in different ways and very cool things, okay? And then we see Danny in some dive bar somewhere in the Far East, and he mentions them looking for a, a, a character called Orson Randall, who is uh, a previous Iron Fist, who then Danny shows a power that Orson had. So basically saying, in this four-month period, Colleen has 
mastered on some level certain techniques with the fist. Somehow in this period, Danny regained the fist power. So everyone right, has right. the fist. Everyone has the <laughs> No, everyone's fisting. Pretty much. Everyone's there. fisting. Again, you just wanted to say that. Um, um, but I'll say this, John, as much as you're, you're, you're poo-pooing and, you know, oh, I'm a, those last 10 minutes were better than the entire series. This and, entire and you season, know, this is because this is what I wanted. We and I, there's no reason why they couldn't have done that from the beginning. In our conversations about this, uh, I, I mean, you've you've said many times the budget. Maybe they just don't have the money to give us the different eras of Iron Fist. Which is, by the way, if you go to the source material, yeah, the Immortal Iron Fist. Um, you, uh, in essence, the story revolves around you have Danny. And then you have the Iron Fist that came before him. Before they him, give Orson lost, Randall. They give Lost-style flashbacks mm-hmm. to previous eras of the Iron Fists in different eras in the past. Yeah. So you've got Iron. I've read some of those. Right. Know. Yeah. You've got the cool. You know, they mention they name drop one of them back the, in Japan. Yeah. And and I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. My new tenant, by the way, was like, yeah, they've been talking about Kunlun, but we haven't seen anything. Thank you. We've and that's a huge. The, we've seen the sunroom fight, though. That, exactly. This is this is. Okay, this goes back to Davos. Davos has this one this one speech in one part of the show where he goes, "I am the true son of Kunlun," and it's like, well, that would have Means some something if, if I ever it. seen it, but we <laughs> haven't. We know nothing about Kunlun. Oh, we know you're just some crazy lunatic. Yeah. But instead, what are we getting? Dinner parties. Yeah, thank you. We're getting the like show is, oh, we're, we're having extortion. Oh, and Davos and uh, and Joy are coming over. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, oh, this is awkward. Right, we're getting Ward and his personal relationship and self actualization issues. It's like uh, I'm pregnant. I don't. We shouldn't be together as a couple because you don't got your shit together. I mean, it's like, and again, I'll say this about the Ward stuff. I think that was effective drama. I think it was actually acted well. It's not what I wanted in a show called Iron Fist about a superhero martial artist. <laughs> it's not what I would have paid the ticket to see. Now, the action, okay, let's, you know, devil's advocate. The action is way better than than and The than fight what coordination this year, uh, magical soup ladles mm. notwithstanding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, oh yeah, the restaurant scene's like, well, what's going on back there? Yeah, it it, um, sh- it was actually pretty. They, they did a pretty good job with the fights. Mm. They were still not as good as the Daredevil fights. No, nothing will ever top the the, the two the two hallways, the two hallway fights, hallway and staircase. staircase. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. I uh, I but, but it, it really begs but the question. These were very dynamic fights, but see that goes into the, again the budget. If Danny. And again, this goes to what we said in our, in our review, John, when we talked about it. If Danny actually reflected the stuff that he was always mouthing about in season one, I trained for years and everything else, yeah, yeah. and could do Zen master all these other things, this is if he could do things with the dragon chi, like you were talking about in that Immortal Iron Fist run, if he could use it in different ways, if he could use it to cloud people's minds and affect his healing. Like, that's the whole time when he's yeah. like, when I was hoping that that would be it. But but instead, we're, was, getting, like, we're getting straight blasts. Well, I mean, like, like, <laughs> like, he gets this whole thing where Davos breaks his leg, right? Yeah, I'm that far. All right. And I was hoping, I was like, well, here's, they should, this should be a moment where the Western medicine fails him. Where the super bracelet mm. doesn't work. Mm. The super brace doesn't work. 
And it should totally be this thing where he went away from 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 Colleen, and it should have just been him fucking doing like hardcore Tai Chi and working on his chi and meditating. And then we're surprised, and he's like, "I had to dig deep, and I had to use the, the, the I had to use the chi of the dragon or whatever, or find it with myself." And but by the way, my, I don't know. But how, like, how does the Iron Fist work? I mean, is it like a Netflix subscription where only three can use at the same time, or it's like you know, like like um. Uh, or you're only allowed to watch maybe half of an episode, and you're only a watch allowed to have two episodes. Like, how does that work? Because you know, give me give me some of that. Well, that would be again the whole idea that the rules of again the rules so that would make of the, it. We don't know. That would make the Dragonheart story B- BS if everyone can just have it. You know what I mean? I thought you would have to consume. No, no. Well, I mean, they gave. Well, yeah. well, well. Let's be honest. They did give a. They did give a rationale. They were like, "Well, there was a transference from one to the other." Mm, yeah. But now suddenly it's going to be like, "Well, we assume Orson Randall will have a dragon. Will have Iron Fist powers. We don't know if he's going to have powers." Now this does again, somehow. This Danny doesn't dissuade got me. It back. Yeah. That's the other. That's the other problem. Is that as much as I like those last ten minutes, I was going like, "Wait a minute." So, Colleen has the fist, which I don't have a problem with uh, on its face. I think that's probably a storyline you should have done for a third or a fourth season, because you still haven't you haven't established Danny, and suddenly you've already switched gears. Mm. But fine, so she's got the power. That just having her ending it there with the sword would have been fine. But no. But then to, Danny's no, got it back. So, yeah, no. so it's like, wait a minute. So now all that drama. But they've roped me in, was, though. Yeah, yeah, they did like, rope me yeah. in. But this goes into another part of the show. Is the show also had a CW su- DC superhero problem. Which is, there were a lot of completely, totally manufactured moments of drama just for the sake of having sure. Um all the stuff with Walker and her and her and her uh, her, her multiple personalities, manufactured just because it was convenient for the plot to have a, a screw up at that time. Joy, Joy's motivation, everything about Joy Meacham in this season makes zero yeah, sense. She comes off as terribly whiny, stupid. It, it her motivation makes no. It would have been more weighty sense. if she did die. After falling off. Oh my god, that's right? what I was hoping for. <laughs> honestly, because I was right? like, "Oh crap!" And then it was like, "No, I'm still no, kinda, I'm still alive. I'm like, still kind of crawling right, around right, here." Right, now, right. John, John, let me ask you. I didn't go that far. Let's see. Okay. okay, John. Oh, fine. It doesn't matter, John. But John, for most of it, like we get her why she's I'm screwing you guys over because you didn't Screwed tell me and you lied to me. You lied to me about my dad, and I'm like going like. Yeah, remember the demon ninjas? <laughs> I'm just saying, Joy, do you remember do the remember. demon ninjas? <laughs> this what they didn't do this because they didn't like you and they wanted to keep a secret from you. They were demon ninjas. <laughs> you were lying about my father all this time. Uh listen, Joy, uh so you remember father, those demon ninjas. You know, yeah, exactly. Thank you. you your father wasn't was yeah, a I don't sneaky jerk. Okay, let's let's move on. I think uh, well, it, no, no, no. It, it's let's, roped let's, me. It's roped me. I, the last I, ten minutes roped me in too. And I did I say, and see. I said this. I'm like, okay, so you're gonna get into Orson or Orson Randall. If they do Orson Randall, you got to do some heavy and casting. The other and the other immortal weapons, mm-hmm. and they give us the other capital cities of heaven. I, 
that is everything that an Iron Fist show should be. And all I'm asking for is a little more, oh, some more flat, a little, a little I'll flashbacks. I'll tell you what I want. Real. Instead of Power Rangers meets, you know, David Carradine and Kung Fu, I want Batman meets Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's what I want. And guess that's what? what it should be. That's what it should be. That's what it should be. But um, you know, I the, the what the hope is is that those last ten minutes show where they're going. Now, final analysis is this. I also think a big problem is is finally this. They bring in new showrunners, right? And uh, the producers have got a, a pedigree from uh, doing uh, Sleepy Hollow, and I forget what the other show is. Sleepy That's, Hollow, I never watched. What is that show? Uh, it's a show on. Yeah, it was it's on, a show it was on, on Fox. Fox. It's a show on Fox about literally Ichabod Crane in the modern day, fighting supernatural threats with a with a, a female cop from with the a modern time. Head. And he did all. They could do all sorts of things. Now, here's my thing. That's still not the pedigree of someone who should be doing Iron Fist, and everything in this season. The fact that they focused on. You know, uh, Typhoid Mary and uh, Ward and relationship things at the dinner table and all these other stuff and not the super cool kung fu superhero still tells me that they don't have a showrunner who has an affinity for this material, who wants to make a kick-ass well, martial arts S- action Scott show. Scott Buck was a creator of... Um, he, uh, was sir- he was season one. They changed over in season two. He's not involved in season two, Ed. But that's the problem: is that they didn't replace him with but, the team. But it sounds like they're hi- what they're doing is they're hiring um, just you know people who have who've had experience with TV and not necessarily with you know with with the, with the source material. Or right, ha- and have that's an affinity for the source. Material. You need, to, and that is one of the biggest things you need. I will always give credit to Luke Cage for this, as much as I didn't like season two. It still always felt like what it was supposed to be, a black exploitation superhero story. It felt it, the vibe of it, the characters, the music, the the music culture, everything about it, everything about Luke, it felt okay, this is this is a modern day black exploitation superhero story. That's a give out uh, a, sh- a shout out to my friend Johnny Banks cuz we watched a few episodes uh, together and he's a black guy in the hip hop industry and in, in the music industry. And he goes, "You know, there's something a little like too white privilege about this show, you know, like this rich white guy who doesn't <laughs> care. He's, like, he's a billionaire who just gets to do whatever he wants and he doesn't care about his corporation or the consequences or anything. I think this guy got a little bit too much privilege. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I mean. I'm excited for uh, Daredevil season three to come up. Uh, I know we're going to see another Punisher. Um, I hope that those things can recoup the Marvel Netflix magic for me, because for my 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 point of view is that Jessica Jones season two, Luke Cage season two, Defenders, Iron Fist one, and now Iron Fist two. Mm. That's were, a lot of strikeouts. That's a lot. Yeah, and you but know that's and, our opinion, but. What about the act, like in general? Like, how are they perceived? I think everyone. I think honestly, both. I think I'm parroting the 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 the, the general 
the general consensus on Defenders was it was lackluster. Yeah. Well, that, 50% that the characters that the characters the, that the characters were that people loved the interaction, but it was a meh story with meh villains. And I think even Iron Fist were saying a lot of what we're saying is also the truth of 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 people's opinions out there, which is yeah, it's better than the first season, but that's not saying much. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, look, uh, raw hamburger meat's better than dog food, but <laughs> you don't want to eat either. Yeah. Well, they do in some cases, in, in some countries, in many countries, dog meat and raw hamburger meat. <laughs> I just want to point out that the man who just said that is of Asian ancestry. I don't know what the... Uh, I'm just telling it like it is. Facts. Facts. That's what we are. Fair and balanced. Uh, so, yeah. Iron Fist Season 2. Blah. Uh, now let's get to what we really came here today about. <laughs> this is going to sound very weird, people. All right? And uh, I, I really focus this uh, to people Jonathan's age. But uh, you're going to hear us talk about a death that happened in the entertainment industry. But for some reason, we're really going to go super positive, or at least we're going to sound almost eager that this person died. We're not happy that this person died, <laughs> but we're happy that we get to talk about the films and the entertainment that he was part of. And for someone like in John's age group, under 40, uh, under 35, who doesn't, I don't think, really had the firsthand experience of this person and their impact and what a huge deal they were. And it is a little odd almost because they kind of, they kind of sadly by 1994, so kind of disappeared from the pop culture landscape only to pop up here and there. But they were one of the biggest stars in the world, this person. And we're talking about the fact that recently in the past few days, um, we lost Burt Reynolds, the bandit himself. <laughs> Eastbound down, loaded Look up and trucking. We gonna do what they say can't be done. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound down. Watch that bandit run. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Burt Reynolds passed, and uh, I don't know why. Um... Because he hadn't been a, a presence in my pop culture diet for 30 years, probably. Uh, and, and I, you know, like uh, when, when that happened, I said, uh, you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch Smokey and the Bandit. And, and I saw it. And I first thing I said to you, and we've been back and forth about this, <laughs> never has anything in this world has had, that has had no plot bring me so much joy and entertainment. Smoking and Abandoned had no plot whatsoever, but Bert's charm and the and the and and uh, the the chemistry he had with Sally Field. Uh, I've been quote I've been quoting Gleason for the past three days. Yeah, as you son of a bitch, <laughs> you're never gonna run around, run away from me for I'm the law. I am the sheriff. Buford T. Justice. Uh, and. Let me tell you what uh, I got into the Burt wormhole myself. 
Uh, and I was up visiting my mom, and my mom uh, took my grandmother to a doctor's appointment. So I'm up there, and I've been watching some other bird stuff. But I hadn't gotten around to Smokey yet. And so I put it on. It was about 40 minutes in, finally, when by, by the time my mom and my grandmother came back. And she comes into the house, and she sees the big screen TV, and they're smoking the bandit. She says, are you watching Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> I said, yeah. This is, this, this is what you're doing with your day off? And I was like, "Well, this morning, if anything, you were rewatching. You were watching. I got Gator. really deep. I was you watching got so deep, Gator, and you were like telling me about uh, how um, Jerry Reed Jerry is Reed. Burt Reynolds, Isaac Hayes. <laughs> he wrote East. He's, he wrote perform Eastbound and Down. He wrote the the theme song for Gator. I'm sure there's other stuff Jerry Reed. And I'm saying to you, like, and I'm texting to you. I bet your mother is saying." So this is what you're this doing what on your you're day doing off. With your time? This is what you're doing on your free time. <laughs> um, Burt Reynolds is a fixture. Um, guy was born in '74, and um, uh, he was a fixture in just everything that was around you. And uh, '70s and the '80s, he was on Carson, and I was rewatching Carson appearances. And um, he had the swagger. He had the the you know. Okay, you know, and it was more. It's it. Um, what, what's his face on SNL? Uh, he Norm was McDonald's, way more than Norm. Way more than what he what we got there. Even yeah. though that was pretty much uh, that was a terrible caricature of the man. But it was a caricature, nevertheless, um, right? But uh, he was pretty much that guy. Like, okay, let's. Uh, I don't want chewing the gum, and he's yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah let's like deflect the conversation. I don't want to talk. You're about right. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people who maybe that may be their only exposure to him, and. Unfortunately, he was this guy, and we talked about this, where he came up at a time when I think the issue was by the time, I'd say, 85, 84, 85 came around, the entertainment landscape was changing for leading men like him. He came, he came up during a time when you look at Burt's films and they're a microcosm of, mm. of that... He had to the do Nicholson's, he did, he the had Gene to do, Hackman's. He had to do comedy. The, mm-hmm. He had he did a musical. He did tough guy roles. But by the time the eighties came around, everyone was pigeonholed. Everyone mm-hmm. had a specialty. Right. And the tough guy type parts, it was uh, you were either a Stallone or a um, Schwarzenegger or a or 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 you were a leading man like a Nicholson or a Redford mm-hmm. or whatever, and you were a dramatic actor. You right. didn't do... And Burt never seemed to have been... He was... Uh, even though he's done He couldn't find the rules into any one of those things. Yeah, now... What oh, we, and he also admitted he made some crappy decisions on the stuff that yeah, he turned Yeah, he turned down, down Colleone, uh, Michael Colleone. He turned, he turned down, down a bunch down, of other He turned down Nicholson's part that was in terms of endearment, mm-hmm. which, I, which was... You watch that... And it it's a very Burt like role, and he could have done that in his sleep and been great. And I think we're you know we're really we're celebrating Burtness today because of his because we see what we see what he was always been capable of. You watch Deliverance, yeah, that can easily be of um, uh, an indie movie that people watch over and over again. It, it is it still relevant. It it's relevant. Now, you and I, we have an affinity. We don't need to get into Cannonball 1 and 2, right? Because we've talked <laughs> about the, that. But that's the, gamut of the, that's the gamut of the man. He he did something that is, is will always stand the test of time in a deliverance, 
or A Longest Yard. Mm -hmm. Great movies. Mm -hmm. But also did trifles that will stand well, the test of time. A major part like of, Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball 1 and Well, Cannonball you know, two. a major part of his career was very much, and you're talking about pige pigeonholing him, right? Um, uh, Hal Needham took his career and just put him in a bunch of, like, uh, racing movies. Well, you know, there, there Stroke was, Race, ending with Stroke Race, which pretty much was almost the pretty much the end of his big screen, like, yeah, uh, his profitability as, as a star. Um, he did some other stuff, but it was Smoking and Bandit. Now, I rewatched also, um, uh, no, I, uh, Little, Best Little Horror House in Texas, which was very much a, uh, very different from anything else that he's done. And I know you, Miguel Velez, have. A deep affinity and love that's very dear to your heart, not just because of Dolly. That's that's the film that made me a man. <laughs> if you want to see, and I and no no offense to our homosexual brothers out there, but when you say that somehow it's the gayest movie because there's a little bit of man ass in it, uh, the shower the shower scene, the football shower scene any, is just any about movie that's got. The women that are in that all half everything is see-through. Dolly's wearing stuff that's all practically see-through. And just just Dolly. No, no, there's nothing 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 gay about that movie. Nothing gay <laughs> about that movie. Yes, even though it's a musical. Well <laughs> for, I would have to say one of the geniuses of that of, of that that makes that film work is Dom DeLuise, which again, that works into the Needham verse or Burt verse or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> because within the Burt verse you have your gym neighbors, you've got your Pick your blondes, you know, your your stunning blonde, your 80s stunning blonde. Um, put them into that category. Um, uh, Jackie Chan is in that verse, in that bird verse. <laughs> um, need I have to quote, you know, but father, there is no cannonball on this year. So, so buy one. one. <laughs> um, well, I also want to point this out. Which is the fact that um, Bert, because it was the 70s, was the king of a certain type of exploitation film. And this didn't really occur to me until I started rewatching his stuff. And that is that Bert was this sort of avatar of the southern United States culture. Mm. And the only reason... Counterculture. I don't know the counterculture, you know, the counter counter to the counterculture, counter if you want okay, to right. really want to think about post -Vietnam. it. Post-Vietnam. It's post-Vietnam, and, you know, everyone thinks about the Kung Fu, the, you know, the Kung Fu exploitation movies. Everyone thinks about those... Uh, Black exploitation. Black exploitation. You think about, like, uh, biker movies mm. and things like that. Here we're getting... Here is this, the southern car Truckers. culture... Truckers, CB lingo, and it's it's very Southern American based. Mm. He even says basically that was the key. He says, uh, you know, he could do a movie like White Lightning or Gator, and he was like, the he was like, look, the opening weekend in Memphis pays for this movie, and everything else is gravy. And they were films where he did stand in for a certain type of American or how people think of themselves as American. And there's even a scene in Smokey and the Bandit where Sally Field's character is a dancer from New York City, right? And she and him get, uh, get into it about a, kind of a culture class. And 
she says, oh, do you know, like, you know, Stephen Sondheim? I don't know Stephen. She says, you know Merle Haggard. And they go back and forth with these different people. And he says, well, I guess, and it's interesting that this might still be something that's has its resonance today. Because he says, well, I guess if someone thinks you're smart or dumb, kind of depends on where you are in the country. Uh, You know, and he was this avatar of that kind of character. Now, funny enough, though, as I also point out, is that while he does all these roles where he's supposed to be this down-home boy, whether he's Gator McCluskey or Bo the Bandit, he also would go from that delivery that was the sort of lackadaisical good old boy he, the, to this almost Jack Benny, Woody Allen-esque delivery well, of things. I've said, you know, he's his comic timing is just... Even if he's on Carson, the comic timing is there. Oh yeah! Oh you know? my God! Um, and that's why I look at him like people yeah. for Ed. The girls you know? want it, the girls love him because he's Burt Reynolds, right? The guy uh, he had that famous spread, but at the same time, as guys a young kid growing wanted up, wanted to be that suave and smartassy and said, tough. I said, uh, what if they did Solo the sequel? But it was an offshoot. It was something like based, inspired uh, by in Smokey and the Bandit. In all you know? honesty, Ed, you know what? Uh, we were joking about that, but I never made that connection until right now. <laughs> but Ed. Him as Han Solo? She, not just him as Han Solo. The idea is that now that I'm thinking about it, thinking about the era that these films were done in, mm. and that, you know, let's look at here. Uh, White Lightning is 1973. That's kind mm. of the beginning of those films for him. Okay, this is the first his first outing as Gator McCluskey, which and Arling Ster, Ster, uh, Sterling Archer, Sterling Archer lo- worships know, worships at the at the feet of Burt Reynolds and <laughs> and the and the White Lightning Gator duology. Um, uh, Han Solo is very Burt Reynolds. Very Burt Reynolds esque. Yeah, it's the it's I, I'm 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 not even joking here now, people. It really you you said mm. and you mentioned this before, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it would be funny if they did the solo sequel was kind of like you know he you know an imperial uh, you know an imperial sheriff justice and all the rest. But now I think about the cockiness and the wordplay and also being suave, but also yeah. a funny character. Uh, Holy nigga, crap, we got a reactor Ford. leak. Reactor leak. You know, everything's fine. Thank you. Yeah. How are you? That's you very, could see him yeah. delivering those lines now. I, I, I could see Ford biting off of, biting off of Bert like big time now. now. That's that's pretty much easily to say that Bert was the Prince of Florida, even though. And there's some a lot of gray area. Burton Leon well, Reynolds Jr. Well, he apparently was actually born in Michigan. Yeah, he's even though he says that he but was, he wa- but you know he what was he born did in make Georgia. his home. He did <laughs> make Florida. his home in Florida. Right. And that's where he went to school. That's where his father was a law enforcement mm. official for many, many, many years. Um, and it's from through there that, you know, he gets into football. Florida football, State. He's able to transfer over because of an injury to the dramatic mm. arts. and TV, uh, TV roles as, TV, uh, on Westerns. Westerns and crime serials. Gunsmoke. And all the um, know, he was on Gunsmoke for about three seasons or so, I think. Now, the, now. Um, oh, by the way, by the way, do you know that Quentin Tarantino is named after Bert's character on Gunsmoke? Interesting. Okay. Yes, indeed. His mother was in love. And you said that he wanted uh, he wanted to cast Bert. He in wanted his... to cast Bert in the, his his last his, his next last movie, movie, but uh, wasn't able to do it. By the way, just a side note for my family: it's very similar to uh, my uncle Lewis, who named his son 
Chris because he loved the Magnificent Seven and he loved Yul Brenner's character in that, so he named his son Chris, which was from. I named my kid. I named you my named kid Clark kid after Clark. after uh, after Christopher Reeves. There you go. His, I mean, because there's some performance, but. Um, uh, we now first time I first time Burke for me like just watching him on the screen was Cannonball Run one and two more so two and I and I told you this last <laughs> night I, I said this I said what was the big deal of Cannonball Run it had Jackie Chan right <laughs> and that was a that was a huge um, uh, that was a family event because you're watching. I'm sorry. The biggest, the star, biggest in star in all of the, the, in, the biggest in, star in, in, for, of the Asian world, right. and uh, that with along. all of the other Hollywood stars, mm. quote unquote stars, because some of them had faded; <laughs> they weren't as big as they were. But George Hamilton, George Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that was a big deal. But there was Bert, and he was he was he was leading the pack, right? And. Um, and you, that sort of stuck. And maybe as a kid, and I did, I have said this on the show. Yeah. Like I, as a kid growing up, I wanted to be Superman. I wanted to be Han Solo. Burt Reynolds never, ne- never came up, but maybe it's because, you know, he Tom was always, Solo was covering that. Yeah. Pretty much. Territory. But, but he was, but you, not only being able to match your, 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 the speed of how you drew your pistol, but also with your wits. Right. And he was all wit. Now, um, after rewatching Smokey and the Bandit, just the first one. There's really, I don't really feel a need to watch the the, the sequel and and the, the, the next two sequels. What does he say to Sally Field? Uh, it's that. <laughs> what is that, it? You what do? is it that you do? It's like, well, I don't know. I go from place to place, doing what I do best. And what's that? Being a show off. <laughs> and that is a key part of his success as a screen actor mm-hmm. because he wasn't one of those guys who he's not a disappear in the role actor. He's like Clint Eastwood or John Wayne. He essentially always plays a version of himself. Mm. And those characters are all imbued with Bert's laid back charm and humor, but also a ladies man, a ladies man strong and and also, you know, honestly, and not a ladies man (laughs) and also a strong streak. And I think this was true of him as a person, a strong streak of the Mm. asshole. Yeah, a lot of his characters are like, oh, you're only getting away with this because the film is, you know, based around you and you, you're you're charming. Well, but well, the truth is, you're, you're kind of well. A dick. Let's take his uh, his character from from uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the guy with the gun. He's a, he makes he's the lawman. He's the lawman. Um, and he he now but he's he's living a he's living a duplicitous life, right? And not a duplicitous in the sense of just because he's a lawman and he's he's. It, 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 the whole point of the, the movie is, in fact, that the law shouldn't be involved in this, that they weren't doing anything wrong at the chicken ranch. And, and the movie but is the it's movie. a relationship question. It's a question of the fact that Earl, as the sheriff, is having his cake and eating it, too. Mm-hmm. He's able to be the respected lawman about town. He has this other woman whom he has some kind of relationship. She's take, kind of taking care of him. She's cooking for him. She's mm-hmm. cleaning for him. He's kind of a... a uh, a foster father for her son, but then he's got the love of his life, who is this woman in the sexual business yeah. that he gets to live out his fantasies with. I mean, it's Dolly freaking Parton, for God's sakes. And, you know, he gets to sneak around. Sneaking around, around with, with you. you. Exactly. Right, you know. um, um, and, and it leads up to, you, like, your part that you said is the meatiest part, which well, is the fact that 
they have to come to a confrontation about, you know, how he really feels and what he really thinks about her, maybe, or underneath it all, his issues. Now, ladies and gentlemen, like we, even though we're making a direct analog, that that particular movie is a very clear analog to who he is in real life. Like, yeah, I, I can, you know, I can't but pretend I think, to know I, I, that I, that we that I know him in real life, but the man the had impression. famous romances many women many women all right sally field um now you start over dinosaur, dinosaur sally field lonnie, um, anderson, lonnie anderson probably dolly, dolly <laughs> okay um another another actress um that he had married to before before all that mm. even and um you know he was famous for that and he he was a touchy guy with his temper mm-hmm. uh we were just talking about on the ride over here about his appearance and Jay Leno's early takeover of The Tonight Show, and Mark Double Dare Summers from Nickelodeon and him get into it on The Tonight Show, and they're throwing crap at each well, other, and they've got to separate l- them at some l- point, l- let's, and it wasn't an act. Let's be honest. It was... It was you go the, YouTube that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, go right? YouTube it. Mark and- Summers from, you know, he sort of... he First off, to, to even lay a hand on Bert... Yeah, who the hell are yeah. you? Who the fuck are you, Mark Summers? Huh? Yeah, like Archer tried to lay a hand on Bert, and <laughs> and, and Bert put <laughs> and him ended, put him in a hand in arm lock. But yeah, I think he. But see, I, I do think that the fact that we you can see in his characters that he was willing to again, since he's playing himself and he's imbuing the characters mm-hmm. with aspects of himself, that you can look at those characters and go, these guys are kind of jerks sometimes, like big jerks, like like serious ass hats that that i think was a, a part of and he was of that generation of guys who again a lot of them were stars that they their natural charisma mm. it wasn't necessarily about acting talent and that's not to say that he wasn't talented he did have the ability to to imbue his characters with a real relatability even though he was this incredibly gorgeous guy i'm going to point out two. Know, i'm going to point out two particular roles uh again back to whorehouse where he has this, the the argument scene with with mm-hmm. dolly and he and he says well it's better than being a whore right that's a like uh, i have to admit that when i was watching it i had to you know like some some scenes i'm like i had to really fast forward and some scenes i, I just had to rewatch and go Wow, that's a real scene. That's pretty rough. That's a pretty rough scene. Because you know you're you because because he had drawn you in, mm. they had it really him and yeah. Dolly had drawn you into that relationship, and you know when you have a rooting interest for mm. characters, and as, as when they as, do something that there's a snap or right. there's a break, you go oh the, oh, the weight is there. Yeah. Oh, why do you have to say that, Bert? Secondly, um, now he had a revival with uh, in the '90s with a. Uh, uh, um, in, with um, Boogie Boogie Nights, oh, Boogie Nights. yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Which um, you know, for for you, the youngins, someone maybe maybe of your age, you know, um, if you remember Boogie Nights, where you played a a porn director, a, right. a porn producer, <laughs> browsers. And there are those there are those moments where um, you saw the darkness. It wasn't all just like you know, shiny gloss. You know, let's see what we can just put on the screen. Right. What happens? behind a screen well comes out well that's also interesting is that a lot of his films we're we tend to remember cannonball and Smokey. Mm. um but like again i'm re-watching gator and like gator is this weird thing where like half of it is this super gritty like 
you know, the underworld of crime mm. and corruption. Sharky's Machine. I mean, you know, again, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Sharky's Machine from, like, 30 years ago. But, like, Sharky's Machine ends with, like, him getting his fingers cut off. <laughs> it's a rough movie about, uh, you know, dead prostitutes and, you know, corruption. He did a lot of things. The, the Longest Florida Yard. Vice Cop. Dude, The Longest Yard. Um, Like, as I was watching it, I kept the the beginning sequence. I'm going... Sandler never should have touched making remake. Yeah, what's movie. that about? I because mean, I here's just... the deal. All right, and Bird was in that, right? The the first, the original Longest Yard, right? Yeah, he was in the remake too. Yes, the the original Longest Yard that Bird did. All right, it starts out with he's a character who had gambled on his own, like had shaved points for gambling mm. in the NFL, and so he was no longer playing football. And the movie starts out with he's in bed with this gorgeous woman and he's obsessed with football. He just keeps watching game after game after game, right? And she's like, oh, shut it off. I'll, let's get it on, baby, right? And he's like, man, and he like slaps her out of the bed in a very violent move. She gets up and she's angry with him and she's like, I don't know, you're wasting your life away. You're, she tells him, you're nothing but a whore. You've nothing but sold your body, you know, and you're telling everyone has been paid everything for you since you were in college, yada, yada, yada. And she says, and now she, it seems that since he was drummed out of the NFL, that she's basically supporting him. And she says, don't you leave here. Don't, she says, where's the keys? I want to take a drive. You're not taking my car. You're not taking my car. Again, he grabs her violently and like smashes her face against the door. And then leads this, like, the cops on this incredibly, like, it's not a fun Hal Needham-esque mm -hmm. car chase. It's a, Bert almost runs over, like, a bunch of pedestrians. <laughs> All right. And then, like, crashes her car off a pier. And the rest of the film, it's in him in prison. And mm. you can only imagine what happens in prison <laughs> so let me let me so he had these he was doing dramatic and dark things and he could go to those places um but but let me ask you though like um uh, the first question begs can someone like bert be a big star today you know can uh smoking abandoned would those so, films work would those yeah would they work and would he I, work you I know that's honestly have a feeling that the answer as much as i would want to say that he has a similar thing to a George Clooney. And I actually said that, for me, the comparison is The Rock. Not just because they both played football in Florida. <laughs> but but because The Rock is another one of these guys who cannot seem to fully capitalize on his charisma consistently. The Rock is another guy, just like Burt, who is quick on his feet, charismatic in interviews, but... His filmography well, is very was, hit or miss. I, I but was, here's the real reason why I think his films might not, you couldn't do him today. And that is that they're the that one of those aspects that we love about him, the laid backness, mm -hmm. I don't think that works in films today. I think there was some kind of changeover in that late 70s, early, early 80s period where I think films just became more focused, that people expected more out of the tightness of the stories and the tightness of the films. Yeah, yeah. 
that, like, again, I was watching Smokey, and I just was like, ah, oh, this is very, it's too laid back. Well, it's you and I have up. differing differing opinions about about Smokey because, but uh, because I I watch and I go, you were said you were entertained even though you yeah, thought it was you know, bad and ending. I'm maybe some might be able to make the comparison. Oh, it's uh, uh, like the Furious movies, which I've never really watched. But Smokey, but I think even they are more focused than most of his films. I think that there is something about. And he shared this with another guy similar to him. He shared the same quality that James Garner had. But I think James Garner was a more more affable, less of a jerk, mm-hmm. less of a, you know, a biting wit guy. Right. But there's an affability that maybe doesn't that's not enough in today's world. Well, you know, in in the in an age of in a me too age. Yeah, someone well, that like alone, Bert, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. alone, right? You know, might might, um, might might have sunk him. But I think more to the point it's more along the idea of like Gator, like I said, Gator is this like it's super gritty, and then somewhere in the middle, Bert just lost his way. It becomes this very weird. There's a lot of a weird insertion of like mm. this humor that the beginning of it has no, it's like nothing at all like it, mm. and then it becomes weirdly slapsticky. But then, by the way, Ed, because I said I was getting down to the, like the last few minutes of it. It turns super gritty again with some gruesome deaths of these characters who had turned goofy and all this. Oh, well, there's the old lady with her cat. Yeah, the old lady with her cats dies in a, 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 in a house that got set on fire. <laughs> the the not not the not quite Ned Beatty guy. Yeah, Bama McCall shoots him with his double barrel shotgun. It's like I don't I. It's the sort of thing where uh, today. People would be like, look, let's keep it focused. We can have some humor, but you can't that- have 20 to 30 minutes in the middle of the movie where it – you can't have it start out and be seven and then have it be police academy in the middle and then turn to seven again. <laughs> um, he's, uh, um, you know, with regards to the sincerity that he projected because he was all about being sincere. He, was, he told – it felt as if he was there to tell you like it, like, like it is, and and here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I his think characters. He, right, that no, is in real life, yeah. because he in, yeah, because yeah. he he won an Emmy for was it Evening Shade that yeah. he won an Emmy, and he's up there and he's accepting the award and he says, well, you know, I, I owe this to all of my to my film career, <laughs> to all the all that I've did to my film career, and, and the whole place like just blew up. Yeah, and there was there is something about him and the him as a person and the roles. And as I said, I think the roles were an extension of him. Mm. That there's like success and failure or whatever. He, yeah, like in Longest Yard. Uh, there's a scene in the Longest Yard, right, where um, there's this character whose name is Caretaker, who um, he's the schemer guy who gets the prisoners the stuff they need to make the football team, you know, to, to the equipment and all the stuff they're going to get, right? And so they're sitting back drinking some toilet wine. <laughs> and uh, the caretaker character goes to Bert's character, and he says, "Cruz, you know, I've I've done a lot for you, right? You know, I, I you know, I've, I've helped you with this whole thing, you know, with the football team. Uh, I got you laid here in prison. Yes, indeed, Bert. Even in an all male prison, Ed gets to have sex with Bernadette Peters, which which ain't bad, which ain't bad." Um, but caretaker says, you know, I've done all this stuff for you. You got to tell me why did you, why did you really shave shave those points in that game? And Bert's character is drinking, and he goes, uh, well, you know, I never cared about, I never cared a damn about football. He says, I just had my old man, 
and he was with me and I was taking care of him my whole life. And uh, I, uh, you know, I was just hoping if I could just make one big score that I could take care of him because he was blind and he never got to see me play. And I was hoping that, you know, I'd make this score, but then some of a bitch up and died on me. Now, now, wait, wait, wait. And then he goes, caretaker goes, uh, he, then he looks at him and he goes to caretaker, did you, uh, did you believe any of that? And he goes, no. So that's good because it was all bullshit. <laughs> there is something about him and the characters he played that had that quality of take me as I am. Warts and all. If these characters are not totally likable, that's fine. I'm not going to change the, the, the person who I am on the inside. I'm I am this is what you see is what you get. And it's it doesn't matter that, you know, he everything he was everything that we are compartmentalizing. He was a quick wit. He was a tough guy. He was charming. He was a ladies man. Well, what I want to bring up is I have an, I have behind me a picture uh from the, the 1984 movie City Heat starring Clint Eastwood Clint and Burt and Bert is in this whatever wolf get up, uh, little Red Riding Hood get up. <laughs> it seemed to me that Bert was the kind of person that didn't mind ingratiating himself for the audience, you know. Um, but at yeah. the same time, not sacrificing uh, a sense of um, nobility to what he was. And well, you um, know, like he, his there, a, I, a savage I, nobility. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call that. it. I think of the ego. There you go. I think there was also that he. We he he was comforting and a charming presence, but he could also be an egomaniac, narcissist type. And it's a goddamn shame that this movie never never didn't, uh, didn't really did, do well. Yeah, it didn't yeah, go yeah. anywhere. Right? That, you want to talk about a great team? That could have been something for the ages. Um, and you know, I we I I really just wanted to do this because. In all honesty, he was such a huge part. And maybe, you know, Ed, this might just all be nostalgia goggles on my part. I'm really willing to say that because even though he was, like, number one box office star of the 70s and mm -hmm. the early 80s, yeah. he did. He kind of did disappear from the firmament very fast, you know? And then, you know, his career never quite recovered. I mean, yes, he was on Evening Shade, and that was successful, but... After about 1994, and 1994 mm, was a long yeah, time ago yeah, at this point, right. he didn't seem to get that, you know, grand uh, presence in, in, you know, in entertainment. Like, he wasn't, he didn't get called to do a lot of parts. No. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he wasn't honored, I think, you know, by a lot of organizations and stuff. He didn't get those older state he didn't have that older statesman role it was just kind of like yeah burt reynolds used to be a superstar and uh the 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 role from boogie nights doesn't really count i mean uh, even though it should have been should that have been, should have been yeah. the beginning of that phase um but i think he and you know what i think he'd be the first to tell you you know because i think again he was pretty honest about his 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 shortcomings and it was I think it was he was still difficult to work with. Yeah. There was a there was really was a quote about that. Um people saying the old like at the time younger executives who grew up with his you know, Smokey and all the rest, 
They wanted to work with him because they didn't know how difficult he could be. <laughs> and the older executives didn't want to because they did. They were like, we know the issues with Burton, so on and so forth. Um, he was a mixed bag of a human being, but there is something about him that is... Hollywood. Is, is, He's Holly- is this guy's pure Hollywood. Hollywood magic is from another time, mm-hmm. is a different kind of movie star. Uh, and we don't really... There's There's so few of those types... Left. We always say there's some. Oh, he's the last star, or whatever. Um, Bert wasn't the last of it. Well, well, let, let me say. Let's say that, that final how, extinction level. Let's say that he was still alive. Uh, how would you cast him from in a from a fanboy perspective? If it, uh, if I were to cast Bert in like, well, first of all, uh, if if you it would not just alive, he'd have to be Bert in his prime, right? Yeah, it'd have to be Bert in his prime. And who would I cast Bert as? Chuck Norris. Bert in his prime, Ed? That's that's Hal Jordan. Okay. All right. That's Hal Jordan. Without the... Smart uh, ass. Well, deliverance from... You no, know, but I'm... I'm ser- talking about the look. Yeah. I Jordan. mean, he had the body. Uh, I'd, he- I'd, I'd book him as uh, Jack Ryan. In his prime. In his prime. Uh, nah, he was a nah, nah, nah. Jack didn't have that. You know, maybe Green Arrow here because you're yeah, you, <laughs> you're bringing up the 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 the, the deliverance the bow and arrow from Deliverance. Man, or... even in '73 or whatever, he looked like that. I'm like, he's my age. Like he looks the way I look. Well, I can't really say you're that. You know, like yeah, I, I feel like the way he looks there. I feel that's the <laughs> best way to put it. I feel the way he looks. And that's all that matters is confidence, baby. <laughs> confidence, Ed. Ed, you'll you'll be you'll be betting the modern day equivalent of Sally Field and Dolly Parton. No, no problem, no problem whatsoever. You guys gotta. I feel the. You way know what Bert, I'm gonna name me? I'm gonna call you. I feel you? the way Bert looks. You know what I'm? You know what I'm gonna call you? I'm gonna call you Froggy. <laughs> and you seem to be hopping around from place to place. You know, it makes me want to jump on. It makes me want to jump you. Uh. So yeah, I. I, I just wanted to do this because I think the younger people don't quite get why people are talking about him. I hope that anyone listening find find his movies, even if you have heard of them as being spectacular schlock. They are spectacular schlock. They're spectacular schlock. Okay, <laughs> um, whether it's those exploitation films like White Lightning or Gator. Or it's wonderful comedy trifles like Cannonball Run or Smokey and the Bandit. Um, if you love, it's films if where you he, love film, all right. Yeah, if you love I, film, check out The Longest Yard. Check out Hooper. I mean, even Hooper. Eh, eh. <laughs> there's some spectacular stuff in there, and you know he he was a true Hollywood star. In a time when now where there are so few. So just wanted to say, everyone out there, let's give a couple of moments of silence for the bandit himself, Burt Reynolds. Okay, uh, this ends 
today's episode of To Be Continued, where we're trying out a new format. Yeah, we're that's ending, uh, we're, we're doing our in memoriam at the end <laughs> rather the than the beginning. Rather than rather than and, and you know it's good that we did Bert because it was kind of an uplifting thing. We were just talking about how much we loved the guy and loved the movies. Uh, and I think we went warts and all. We didn't. We didn't. We've been up. having Bert discussions for the past three days, and this is true. <laughs> this is truth. You know, and uh, just. And by the way, I have always been accused of having a Burt Reynolds laugh. <laughs> if 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 somehow someone yours get... is like a cross between the Roscoe Pico, like you know, like the 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 the, the, the gaspy I have asthma laugh. <laughs> you know. But it, it, it I do that a lot. I do a wheeze. I do. It's a, it's a wheeze. Uh, what do we have uh, coming up next? We don't know. Yet. Actually, actually, Ed, that's something I want to talk to you about. Yeah. I think that's something we also have to ask from the end of the show. From we never have. We never know what we're doing next. That is true. And people don't care, and they're going to just see what's on. No people. Some people will care. Nah, because not. if we care, you will care. Nah, I don't think they care. I think I think that we should just end the shows because this because we're always grappling <laughs> for it anyway, it, <laughs> and we never half the time we end up not doing it. And again, if people like the show and they're on the website or on iTunes, they'll see what the next episode is. I know because I put up the, I put the, up the, the, the social so media. Therefore, I'm just cutting down on your work, man. Oh, thank you don't have you. to come up with something now at the end of the show. You just you just go out and just say, "Well, whatever the next show is, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be great, I tell you. It's going to be stupendous. It's going to be stupendous. Bigly, bigly, bigly. So, on a happy note, celebrating the life of. Bert Reynolds. I'm Miguel Alejandro Velez, as always. And I'm Edward Ng, here as... at Pancake Studios with our Jonathan Vergara. That's me. <laughs> John, did you learn anything good about Burt Reynolds? I did. You're, 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 you're sporting a little a little Burt uh, on the upper lip there. You know, there's speculation that he, he's part Cherokee. <laughs> I didn't make this up. I didn't make this up. You don't say. <laughs> Earth runs wild with the wolves. He is now a spirit animal, an owl looking over. We will call him Smokey. Smokey the bear. Bandit. And on that note, to, to be, be continued. A nook chuck. Hey guys, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Our website is www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.